This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Roy Cook, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mark. I am super glad you're here. I can't wait to have a conversation with you. But before we get started, why don't you take about a minute, tell us who you are and what do you do for a living? Uh, I'm a retired entrepreneur. I've been retired for almost 20 years. Uh, before that, I worked at Procter & Gamble, grew up in Oregon, and then lived in San Francisco until recently moving up north uh, to a, a little farm, kind of rural. And um, I've written one book, but other than that, I never even thought of doing that until recently and realized I thought I had something to tell people about success. So that's who I am. Well, you're not a spring chicken, so you've been around this planet for a while, so you probably have a lot of information to share with us younger folk. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, th I think so. I was <laughs> taking a sip of water. Yeah, I, I think I do have some information to share, and then the younger folks can decide whether it's relevant or not. So let's look back at your, your career. Um, what are some lessons that if you can get in a time machine and you can go back and let's say, talk to a 21, 22 year old Roy Cook, what do you know now that you wish you can go back and tell your younger self? Well, this is something that I puzzled over, but until I was in my late thirties, I consider myself a loser. Um, I borrowed money, went deeply in debt, was uh, called by, uh, credit card companies almost every night, went through every credit card, some of you haven't even heard of, borrowed money from women I dated who were earning a fraction of what I was. And um, I had a good job at Procter & Gamble out of college in, in Cincinnati. But then no matter what, all, all this time I'm earning reasonably good money. But my behavior was questionable. When I met my wife in San Francisco, uh, about 12 years after I got out of college, she kind of set me straight um, while we were dating. She said, you are a very selfish guy. You're late for everybody. That's a sign that you only care about yourself. And then I did some testing, career testing, and uh, they said, you, you have no empathy. And I said, what do you mean? And I launched into a defensive argument for which turns out to be sympathy. And he said, well, you've got sympathy. You don't have to worry about that. You have no empathy. I said, well, then what the heck is empathy? <laughs> he said, exactly my point. You don't even know what it is. And so it took, uh, it took a lot, and it was probably moving out to San Francisco where I wanted to live forever and set my future and meeting my wife-to-be that kind of straightened me out. And to this day, I'm not sure about whether that's something I just had to go through because of the kind of guy I was, um, or whether uh, I could have corrected that. But if you're, if you're young, I mean, that's an awful lot of time to waste. Um, and really, the big things in my life didn't happen until after I was 53 in 1993. Uh, that's when my life changed dramatically because of a health crisis and um, a career crisis. Very serious in both areas. And that caused me to change my life. 
So uh, again, let me, I, uh, cause I really want to get this answer for the listener. Uh, what would you tell your younger self? I mean, you did tell us, you know, you felt like you're a loser and it was a behavioral issue and stuff like that. But what would you, if you could go back in time and actually sit across the table and have a cup of coffee with your 22, 21 year old self, what would you tell him? So he wouldn't make the mistakes that you had and didn't find out until you're in the mid thirties. I would say to be a little bit, uh, more serious about life, I would I would encourage my younger self to do a lot of reading because I I believe life, I believe this is kind of a good description of life. There are obstacles you have to overcome. In order to overcome them, you need to grow, get bigger, get better. In order to do that, you need to learn. And most of your learning will come through reading. It won't come it will come through personal experience, but that's a hard way to learn the lessons. It's better to gain your failures from somebody else's failure. So if you don't read, you've got only yourself and 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 your observations of your own behavior. But if you read, you've got hundreds, maybe even thousands of people you can learn from. And I would have encouraged myself not to read anything. I wouldn't go to the New York Times bestseller list. I don't consider a lot of the books on there worthy. Um, I would talk about great books, uh, true literature. And uh, also throw in some self-help, look at a little philosophy, biographies, um, uh, histories, things like that. And then I would tell them to associate with people better than themselves. I think it is true. You are the five people you hang around with. Find some people that have more going for you, that are smarter than you are, and and uh, and hang around them because you you will grow to meet that quote-unquote, kind of competition because you're hanging around with people that are just shrewder and uh, smarter. And I I think... One of my favorite quotes is from Charlie Tremendous Jones, the late Charlie Tremendous Jones. He always said, in five years, you'll be the same person you are today except for the books you read and the people you meet. I love that quote. Bingo, bingo. When when you go back to a, um, a high school reunion... You'll meet some people that don't seem to have changed a bit. Uh, they're very cliquish. I, I saw that was true, and I never went back to another one. And that's because they don't read. They, 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 uh, so they, they don't grow. Um, that's a sad thing. I mean, there are lots of people who have quoted, that said you should be ashamed of yourself if you're the same person a year ago as you are today. Mm. And I agree with that. Yeah. And so from 93 to now, um, I've grown tremendously, changed my life dramatically. I actually learned you could develop empathy. I was happy about that. But the main things that I developed were when I started following Stephen R. Covey, The yes. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, over 40 million books sold, and his partner, Hiram Smith, that wrote a book called What Matters Most, The Power of Living Your Values. And they said this, that each of you have 10 to 20 core values that are there probably from birth, but certainly from childhood. You don't get any values added later, and they don't seem to change. You may change your thought about some of the values, but, but they're, they're, they're going to be inside you. They said this directly. If you discover your core values and live your life on the, on the basis of those things, which are closest to your heart, you'll have peace of mind fulfillment, uh, I guess that together would be called happiness, 
And although they didn't promise this in their books, I met Hiram Smith about a year and a half ago, three weeks before he died. And we talked about what I found, and that was financial independence from from this. And he and he said yes, but the reason that's not included in their book is there's uh, some other things you need to add other than just core values. I mean, you need to have some business skills, be able to identify opportunity, uh, good people skills, um, and 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 a number of other things that 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 just aren't part of their core values teaching. And so. Um, Maybe at that at some point I'm going to tell you about my crisis and what the result was of that. But the overall result is it changed my life, and only then did I get serious, really serious about uh, bettering myself and uh, and changing myself. And in 11 years after that, for when I had that crisis, 11 years later, I was retired, financially set, very happy. Wow. And I, I want to just, I, I'm an avid book reader myself. I'm right now reading Adam Grant's originals. I love the way Adam Grant writes, but you, you want to talk about return on investment. You spend 15 to $25 for a book and it, that author sat down with you and read the book to you. It would cost you thousands of dollars, but you can get this information for 15 to $25. Now, the key is, as you and I know, it's not just reading the book. It's actually implementing what you read, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a lot of secrets behind reading a book. Um, I'm a person that read books and some of it would stay with me, but most of it wouldn't. And therefore, I'm like most people. There now are a lot of people that write on medium.com and other places, blogs on, on how to digest a book, how to make it part of your life, how to learn from it. So almost everything I read is either audio while I walk or drive or it's uh, Kindle. And with Kindle, you, with your finger, you can highlight stuff. But all the articles I've read, and, I've read, and there are many good ones out now, say that that Although it's a step in the right direction, that isn't good enough. That doesn't make it internal. Now, one of the things you can do, though, and most people don't know this, is everything you outline on Amazon is kept by Amazon, uh, whether you want it to be kept or not. Uh, if, you, if you use something like Evernote or any other uh, storage tool, you can automatically have your notes transferred in there, and then you can do... Uh, what I would call kind of a cyclical review, meaning go back and read your notes in a month, then read them in six months, and then see how you're doing, maybe do it in a year and three years. And if you do that, that timed repetition, you'll then remember it. Otherwise, most of it will will go away. All the stuff you thought was so great will go away, maybe 90, 95% of it. That's just the fact of the way the memory works. It cleans stuff out, waiting for new stuff. And you don't want to uh, do that. Well, I agree with what you said about books. There's a lot of things written about that. And the the most pleasant one that I've heard, the quote, was from a famous guy. And I forget whether it was Michel de Montaigne, but somebody like that, guy that wrote essays about, uh, what, 500 years ago. And he said, a book is always happy to get a visitor. I, I love that thought. Yes. You know? It's uh, and they are. They're happy. They're they're ready to tell you their secrets. Hey there, it's Mark, and I want to invite you to become a Mark Stucheski insider and get the top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs absolutely free. It all happens over at mrproductivity.com. 
Now, what's interesting for me is I'm 55 years young, and so when ebooks came out and audiobooks came out, I was so excited. But then something very interesting started happening, Roy. I started getting print copies of books from guests on my show. And now I've come full circle. I'm back to reading print books. I love highlighting and marking up uh, the print books. And so, I mean, but it doesn't matter if you read a print book or an ebook or listen to audiobook. The fact is, and the statistics are out there, I don't have them in front of me. The vast majority of people don't read. Yet, when you look at the successful people in our world, the Mark Cubans, the uh, Elon Musk, whatever, they read a lot. And when you see people who don't read, they tend not to make a lot of money because you learn from books. So I think the first step is to start reading more. The second step was to learn how to read a book. Yes. Um, there is. There are some wonderful books uh, out about that. If somebody were to ask me, I'd say get the Lifetime Reading Plan, which has probably uh, close to the 200 best books ever written. They're great books, so there'll be a struggle, but you'll learn a tremendous amount. Um, I, I took 10 years and read all of them and taught them at a university to, uh, there was, there was teaching adult classes. So, um, that's one thing. I agree with you. It doesn't matter what the book is. In fact, one of my favorite guys, Ryan Holiday, uh, would, would follow your teaching. He, he likes to read it. He likes to have it physically. He takes notes. He saves them on cards, but he does that because he's going to turn those notes into, um, blogs and books uh, and podcasts of his own. Uh, but he believes from that, and there's some teaching about that, that just the, is it visceral? The visceral aspect of writing down the note and putting it separately will keep it with you longer. Uh, most people aren't willing to spend that kind of time that he does. He has, uh, I guess, closets full of little uh cases full of his notes that he has by category and can wow. then shift them around into a book, make them into a, a book. So I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big fan on that of, of books. And that means you'll be hanging around probably with more people that read. Yes. And, and by the way, I do have figures on reading and here, here they are. The average American reads a median, the median American reads uh, five books a year. That means Half of Americans read one to four books. Wow. Those people are not going to be the learners. And half of Americans read over five books. If you couple that with this, the average adult in this country spends two and a half hours on social media and four and a half on television. Uh, that, that, I found that unbelievable. That's wow. seven hours. So the average American is not going places. They're not aggressive. They're not dynamic about changing who they are and, and, and growing and learning all these things. There's so many good books out there on a, books on essentialism, on how to cut back your life so you're living a um, an e kind of an easier life, a, a more focused life, but you're not all over the place. Not only on the things you save in your house, but the way you live, the way you think, and and so on. You know, there's hundreds of books like that by really good people. And you can go on sites like uh, medium.com and put your interests in there, or say books, and you'll get all these articles. And over a period of a few months, you'll get pretty much everything that counts. They'll, they'll pick up on the things that you know, and I know, and they'll, and there'll be an article in there about it. So 
I, I agree with that 100%. And I want to, one thing I really have been working hard on is when I start reading a book, if it's not speaking to me, I don't trudge through it. I used to do that. I used to like, look, I bought the book. I'm going to trudge through it. But maybe this is not the time for me to read the book. It may be a great book, but maybe I should put it aside and pick up another book. And then what I find when I started doing that, then I'm like, okay, I go back to this other book. I'm like, oh, okay, now this is the time for me to read the book. Do you find yourself doing that as well? I do. And you're in company with one of the greatest men that's ever lived, one of the five or 10 that I'd want to meet, and that's Dr. Samuel Johnson, who in the great books, uh, he's the only guy uh, that uh, his book is called um, uh, Johnson, I think, and written by, uh, I've forgotten the guy's name, Bosley or Bosworth, but at any rate, he hung around with him for about 20 or 30 years and wrote about the guy. And, and Johnson once said to his friend, uh, Boswell, that's his name, who became famous too. He said, oh, you read a book through, do you, sir? Uh, in other words, he was criticizing him for having that feeling you got to finish a book. Uh, Johnson thought it was uh, poppycock. Um, that's, to, that's, an, that's the old word right there. <laughs> yeah, it is. He thought it was poppycock to read a book all the way through if you didn't like it. Because, he, you know, he said, you're, you're not going to get much out of it if you just struggle through it. And, and um, I have that problem all the time. I get a book, a history book. Maybe it's 600 pages and I've read about 30 and I oh, my God, this is, this is really uh, terrible. And, uh, you know, at least in my mind right there. Now, sometimes, I go back. I used to have a mentor that that said uh, that when you read books and you get older, you'll you'll say, "I'll be darned! I went back and read that same book, and and the author has added some other chapters in there <laughs> that weren't there before." You know, he he was the same guy. This guy was great. Was somebody came up to him? Who he was mentoring this other guy too. Uh, uh, he was a this fellow was a wonderful teacher, past alcoholic, who kind of lived in a closet for ten years, or uh, in a in a manufacturing plant. He was a loser, but anyway, became a winner. And this guy came up and said, "I can't stand this one book you recommended. There's one section in it that you just." And um, the fellow said, "the The teacher said, let, let me see it. Where is that section? Is it these four pages?" The guy says, "Yeah, that's it." He ripped them out. <laughs> And he threw him away. And he said, "Now, any any problems with the book? Now, he was he was teaching a guy a lesson. In other words, you don't like rutabagas. You go to Safeway; they have rutabagas. I'm never going back to Safeway because they have rutabagas, and I don't like them." <laughs> I thought that was great. Good teacher. Yeah, you know it's it's amazing. I I have loved. I think it's funny when I was in high school and college. I hated reading because I had to read. Now I read for an enjoyment. And uh, one of the mistakes I made, I'd like to know your thoughts on this, is I would read in order for one purpose, and that is not to learn, but to put another line on my books read that year list. Now in 2021, I am like being very intentional of the books I'm reading. Most of the books, probably 95% of the books I read have been recommended by like people like you guests on my show or people I know. I very rarely, if ever, go to the New York Times or Wall Street Journal or USA Today or look at the top lists on the top books on Amazon. I, I would rather get a recommendation from like you, Roy, than try to go find a book I don't know anything about. 
Well, I understand that. Uh, or, or people that you know and respect. I mean, you don't know me very well, but, uh, but I guess there's a reason I'm on this show, but uh, you have good friends that read. I, I use the Wall Street Journal. I do like their recommendations because they're, they're sober and serious. And I, I guess for that young person, I would say to them, and decide why you're going to read. Mm. What is your purpose for reading? Is it to enjoy yourself or to learn? Both have value and, and really good books um, like Cervantes' Don Quixote. You should be entertained by it too. If you aren't, you aren't. But uh, maybe you don't like his style or whatever. But um, then read about his life. He's one of the most interesting guys that ever lived. And uh, I think he died without knowing that Cervantes w- would be considered one of the greatest works ever ever created by man. Uh, that's kind of sad to me that some of these people that have done that are that way. So ideally you'll find books that you like and will learn from at the same time. The like may just be, this is a kick. Here's a guy writing about essentialism or how to stack habits together. I never knew you could stack habits together and have start your day like I do with 12 different habits that are all stacked together. I don't have to worry about them every day. It's the same habits. You know, it's it's uh, meditation, journaling, and then, you know, making, which I do from the bedroom, then go uh, make the bed, go into the bathroom, do the things you have to do there, then come out here and do some work, and uh, which may take hours. Even though I'm not employed, I'm not earning money in that fashion, um, I still do a lot of serious stuff because I want to, uh, I want to grow. Um so, and by the way, that, that young kid, I would also say, and find yourself some good mentors, ah. be open to them. And he's going to say, well, how do I do that? Well, if I was mentoring him and I was going to see him again, I would I'd say, why don't you read about that? And next time we'll talk about how you think you do that. Um, I mean, it's just kind of obvious. You look around to people you really uh, respect, uh, try to build a relationship uh, I've read articles that say you shouldn't ask, but I don't agree with that. Um, you, you can ask if you want. Um, don't expect to be accepted right away if you don't. If somebody doesn't know you, because that's a big deal. You know, I get asked by people to mentor them. I just fin- finished mentoring a young woman um, over maybe five months. But, you know, that's a big deal. They make that kind of a commitment. It's not an every day. It could be once a week, once a month. But still, it's a commitment. And so not everybody's going to be open to that. They have to want to mentor you. So I, I'd be ready when they ask the question, which I would ask, why do you want to be mentored? Why do you want me to mentor you? You know. Now, Something speaking like of mentorship, do you think it's possible or do you think when you read a good book like you've been talking about in the show today, is that a form of mentorship even though you actually don't talk to the person? Hey, I now have an affiliate program where you can earn up to 30% commission just for referring people to my paid program. To find out more, go to MrProductivity.com, scroll to the bottom of the page and click the link. Well, in my opinion, it is um, because... Even the way they write about these things um, in the Lifetime Reading Plan. And there's another another book by Adler, I think, How to Read a Book. Boy, I'd recommend that to everybody. That, that's serious. He's a serious writer. But uh, I think he probably says, a number of others say this, you should have a conversation with the author. Hmm. 
And uh, in that book, he talks about the various ways of reading. Well, one of them, the most complex one, is you is get the author to speak to you on your terms, meaning you're reading the book, but if you're really serious about it, ask him some questions and see if you can find the answers. Maybe when you go back, you you want if you want to internalize it, uh, convert his way of speaking to your way of learning. Uh, you don't have to do that, but but then it becomes part of you. Um, you can even a- ask him uh, that question. Uh, it's an exciting, so to the young person, I'd say this is going to be one of the most exciting things you'll ever do in your life. It'll make a big difference. It'll bring you lots of interesting friends and conversations, and it will change your life. Remember the obstacles. The number one way to learn, in my opinion, is n- not through your own experience, but through reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, be- because then you're talking about, let's say, over your lifetime, 400 other people who you'll have a direct conversation with and will tell you how to succeed or or how to do whatever you want, you know, uh, how to meditate, um, how to journal, all of those things. Now, if you're not doing that, how are you going to learn that? How are you going to learn how to journal, how to meditate? My guess is uh, you'll never do it because you think there's some secret to it. And there isn't any secret to either meditation or journaling. It's done all kinds of different ways. But um, you you might feel it's too foreign or you tried it a little bit. Meditation didn't work. I tried it one Saturday. I, I didn't see the benefit. Well, I can tell you there's a big benefit. It changed my life. It certainly helped me in empathy. It certainly helped me uh, uh, react rarely with anger to anything. Um, a, lo- a lot of things that I had never heard about, nobody told me med- med- uh, meditating would help in that regard, but it does. It helps you become more peaceful, more respectful of others is what I've seen for me. Maybe that's not common, but. Well, I, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. And one of the compliments I get uh, a lot from people listening to my show or what have you, they're like, man, you're so, you know, you can have great conversations with people. How do you do that? And I say, I read a lot. I read a wide diversity of books because when you're well-read, as you know, Roy, then you can have more intelligent conversations. But if your face is always an Instagram or Facebook or TikTok or whatever the case may be, you can't be well-read. So I say the secret to me being a better interviewer, and hopefully you think I'm a good interview uh, interviewer on the show today, uh, is I'm well-read. I read a lot. I don't let a day go by without reading at least one hour. Every day, every year, yeah. it's a priority to me. Well, you know, uh, the, the Oracle of Omaha, yes. um, he reads, I think, six hours a day, <laughs> including yes. the time at work. So you're in uh, good company. I, I think the reason that's true, Mark, is I believe you're interested in other people. There's a lot of things written lately that the most successful people anywhere have strong curiosity. Uh, there's just something I've read recently. I think I agree with that. So I think you're a very curious guy. What makes this guy tick? I think you like people. You may be critical of others. You may hang out from this interview and, and say, you know, that Roy, I, I could have. Well, that happens, you know, one out of two. No, I, I think you're you're delivering so much gold here. But, you know, you made me think about a quote. I can't say it pr- exactly, but Jim Rohn had this quote that unsuccessful people have big TVs, successful people have big libraries. And if you yeah. think about that, that is so powerfully true. I, I think um, 
I, I definitely think that's true. I mean, we're on a subject we could talk about for hours. There's, <laughs> there, there's an, this is like putting money in the bank. It's an, except there's an infinite payback. Without all the reading, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't have fulfillment and peace of mind. I wouldn't even have discovered Covey and Smith. And I definitely would not be financially independent because mm. I was inspired to do that through them. Could I, uh, could I jump ahead of you? Would you mind if I told you about the life crisis? Yeah, uh, I mean, and, don't, don't take three hours, but if you can wrap no. it up in five or six minutes, that'd be great. Okay, here, here we go. Um, so I'm working in San Francisco. And I'm working out the debt issue. So that part of it, I'm kind of working out because of my wife-to-be. You know, I, I couldn't live with myself any, any longer. And um, then a, uh, a company that I work for did something unethical. So I quit them and, and joined another New York-based marketing company that worked with Procter & Gamble, Frito-Lay, and stuff like that. They're in New York, but I'm still in San Francisco. I'm their guy there. And then one day in 1993, one of the partners comes to me and says, we want you to sign this deposition. You weren't involved with the matter, but we want you to sign it. And Roy, we know you're an honest guy, but this is business. In other words, he's saying he wants me to lie on a deposition to pr protect them about something I wasn't even involved with. It happened in New York, whatever it was. And I started getting panic attacks at night. Several times a week, I'd wake up a half an hour after I went to sleep, and I'd jump out of bed. I couldn't breathe. I'd be, <gasps> and I'd run to the window, throw open the window. We lived in a high-rise in San Francisco. I could smell that ocean air. My wife and I thought I was going to die. So I'm, I'm going to doctors. I'm not connecting those two things. I'm going to all-night sleep labs and everything. And nothing resolved it. Ear, nose, and throat. No, nobody had ever heard of anything exactly like that 30 minutes after I go to sleep. That was the, the kicker, the weird part of it. And so finally, I go to a psychiatrist, and he says, what's going on in your life? And I tell him about this thing that happened with one of my um, senior partners in New York. And he said, stop. I know exactly what the problem is. It's integrity. You have it, and they don't. You couldn't live with yourself if you lied on a deposition. And you might have more problems than that. But, And I said, well, what do I do, Doc? He said, well, unless you feel this will blow over, you're going to have to look for other employment. So during the, the three years leading up to that, I'd been reading a lot about, uh, well, from, from Covey and Smith and, and others, and I ran into core values. And so I had done them. I had 11 core values. I do have 11 core values now. And so I thought, I'm going to compare what I'm currently doing to, to, to these core values and see if it honors them. And um, right away, one of my fourth core values, integrity, and I could see it wasn't going to honor that. And then I decided I'd be an entrepreneur because a guy that I met said, Roy, I like to make my own mistakes. That's why I'm an entrepreneur. Guy was a witty guy, kind of like the way he put it. And so I, I thought about that too. And, and I thought, well, if I'm an entrepreneur, I can control the integrity in my own company. And so, you know, that would absolutely honor it. When I was all finished, I had a numerical system for each of these core values and I'd compare them to my current job 
and my job to be. And it was a, a home run that I would uh, retire and become an entrepreneur. And I also had an advantage that I, I could see a need uh, by the people I work with, Craft uh, and Procter & Gamble and Frito-Lay, and I could see that I could fill the need. And, and it was a narrow area of marketing that I'd been working in for 30 years. So did that work? Well, the um, the panic attacks went away. In six years, my company had over 10 figures, uh, let's see, eight figures in sales, which is over uh, $10 million. And another five years, I retired. So it worked wonderfully beyond beyond belief that uh, I, I lived every day after that doing everything consistent with my core values. And if it didn't relate to a core value, I didn't do it. Like, I don't have a core value of creativity. So I'm, I'm not learning to play the piano and painting and gardening and all of that. Uh, even though there are about 360 values out there and there are hierarchy with everybody. It isn't a case of I have 11 core values and the heck with the rest of them. Some of them may be close to being core values. There are things I value. They're just not core values. And, uh, uh, and I think creativity would be the 12th core value if I, if I had that. So I live my life on the basis of these in, in this sequence, spiritual, family, health, integrity, value-based life, community, that means give back, freedom, meaning financial freedom, accomplishment, learning and teaching, resoluteness, and renewal. Renewal means anything you do that renew yourself, a walk in nature, watching a uh, film noir on TCM, whatever. Each one of those requires a definition for anyone to understand exactly what I mean by them. So that's what happened. And my life changed in 1993. And in 2004, I was retired. And after that, I only did things uh, 100% that related to my core values. Before that, I still would occasionally have to associate with people I didn't like, uh, uh, toxic people or the government. But as soon as I retired, I went to see my psychiatrist again. He gave me a white sheet of paper and said, here's your life, Roy. It's empty. You can put whatever you want on it from now on. And since you've studied your core values, this shouldn't be difficult. And it wasn't. I developed a large mentoring program for a local college and did some uh, philanthropic stuff in Mexico with kids and all the things that I really loved, I did and nothing else. I, I don't associate with toxic people, none, zero. I don't have any in my life. Wow. So my life changed in 1993. I consider myself, I hope you'll allow me to use this word, a jackass before that, a loser. And um, after that, I... I just lost the selfishness and everything else. You know, I'm so glad you shared that story with us because it's a perfect, it's a perfect way to wrap this episode up and put a bow on it because that story is so inspirational. So the final question I have for you, Mr. Cook is where can we go find out more about you and what you're doing in the world? Well, you can do two things. Uh, you could go to medium.com and, uh, and, and look for Roy Cook because I, I do blog in there. I'm not, active. I don't earn a living that way by writing, and I won't earn a living that way. I'm, I'm not interested in that. But I've written about 200 or so blogs. Uh, or you can uh, buy my book. You know, I, I don't want to shill the book, but I'll just say that's where the whole story is told. And chapter two talks about how to find your core values. On medium.com, by the way, I've 
word for word repeated the book, every chapter except chapter two on how to find your core values. Because my publisher said, are you crazy? <laughs> so, you know, leave, leave something out there. Um, and uh, it's called a fool's errand. Uh, there are lots of fool's errands I've learned, but why your goals are falling short and what you can do about it. And it more or less tells this story and how anybody can find their core values and then start living consistent with them. And they'll find a, di a difference in their life because these are closest to your heart. They're put there for a reason. That's why we're all different. I mean, unless you think everybody's the same, we're different for a reason. And that's, in my view, because of uh, core values. And, is your book available at Amazon? Yes. Okay. Excellent. And, and uh, everything but audio, you know. Okay. It was going to cost me another $6,000 to do the audio. And I thought, <laughs> no, I don't think so. We'll, we'll let them read it. And it's probably better anyway they take yeah. notes. So either that or, or Kindle. Well, Roy, I want to tell you, I am so thankful you're on the show today. Absolute delight having you on and sharing your story with us. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Mark, very much. I enjoyed meeting you and chatting with you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski Podcast. I really hope it served you well today. Now head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com. Sign up to be a free Mark Stuchowski Insider. Get my top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs. Absolutely free. It's my gift to you. And until tomorrow, my friend, go be productive.